Hey everybody, it's Brittany here. Just a note about today's episode, mistakes were made when we were recording, so the audio is pretty bad, but we are going to release a transcript for you to read along if that's what you prefer. Also, at the end of today's episode, Joshua and I talk about yaks, and we talk about them for quite a long time. So we cut it and we put it at the very, very end after the music. So feel free to listen to that if you have a little bit extra time. Alrighty, here's the show. New podcast. I'm not a witch, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> I'm Joshua. And I'm Brittany. And we're two librarians who talk about sci-fi and fantasy and a little bit of everything else. Okay, world. Here we go. Ready. <clears throat> Vocal warm-ups. Um, red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Red. Unique New York. Unique New York. No, that one. <laughs> okay. Um, who, are we starting? Yeah. Should we say hello, everybody? Yeah. Well, let's, okay. Let's uh, take one. Chop. Chop. Hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome back. We, Joshua and I have a new setup for our microphones. It's pretty amazing. We might have to take a picture. <laughs> it's little clip-on mics, Good and we call. have clipped it onto our mask. Okay. Looks like we have little warts on the end of our faces, but it's not a wart, it's our mic. So See, here, I'll take a picture of you. This is why I can't do, have nice things. This is why I can't have nice <laughs> things. Right, I got you. I don't worry about it. I'll take a picture of you. Oh, can you go like this? Can you do side profile? Yeah. Should I go side eye? Perfect. I love how I'm smiling, but you <laughs> can't even see my face. You're smizing. <laughs> You're smiling with your eyes. That's right. Very tired of things. Oh, you, know, well. you, know, you know what the only problem with this setup is now? Hmm. If I have to burp, I can't lean away. Yeah. But that's okay. I mean, we'll fix that in editing. And if it, if it adds to the color of the podcast, then we'll keep it in. Brittany's burp. <laughs> so colorful. I Joshua, have... what are we talking about today? Oh, today we're talking about books that feature oceans or some sort of water body yeah that's why today's podcast is called swords and starfish swords and starfish and that was it came from me mispronouncing swords and starships uh-huh. i said swords and starfish and then i was like joshua can we actually make that an episode and you're like yes yeah so that's why we're here <laughs> because genius is <laughs> is uh sometimes it's like a bolt of lightning it just hits it hits you yeah yeah you're like underwater let's do this yeah and also we live on the coast so it's, it's perfect anyway. exactly exactly and it's like well this episode's going to come out in august so it's like the dog days of summer so everybody wants to be in the water mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's why we're going to talk about some refreshing water books water books <laughs> oh man we should talk about water world but that's okay no oh god that movie i that don't know if i've seen that in its entirety but i did see the water world feature like at Disneyland. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Um, Universal Studios. Thank you. Fun fact, when when I was living in Indonesia, mm-hmm. they have a Universal Studios in Singapore. Oh. Uh, and I went there and there was like, you, you saw the Waterworld yeah. thing. Yeah. The, the thing. Yeah. The, the show. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Yeah. They like threw water on people. Oh yeah. Oh, you were in the splash zone. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Because I was like, I'm going to, Tell my friends, we should sit in the splash zone. They're like, no, we don't want to get wet. I'm like, that's the point to get wet. But then I regretted it because <laughs> they have like those those waters those water bikes. Yeah. And they like sideswipe the crowd. Oh yeah. And I was like, it just hit us full. Yeah. You're like, hell. And yeah. You're like, that's my day. It was, it was horrible. I mean, it was fun, but You're like now I'm drenched. Thanks. Like Singapore is super hot. So yeah. it was like, oh, easily 90 plus, plus 90% humidity. Yeah. So the rest of the day, we were still wet. Because yeah. there's no chance of getting dry. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. It was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but I had fun. Good. Okay, so who's going first today? Um, I think I am. I think you are, too. Because I, okay. I think, if I remember correctly, I mean, it all blurs together. But I think yeah. I was going first, and then you sang me a song. To go first. This is probably true, yes. Is that our making up? I'm like, you get to go first. <laughs> so we're going to vote for you. Okay. The books I picked, because we grew up on the ocean, right? Yes. We, I mean, we visited as children. 
So uh, we have an idea of like the ocean is a both beautiful place, a fun place to spend your time, but it's also a little bit dangerous. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure your parents imparted you, like, don't turn your back on the ocean. Don't turn your back. Yeah. Um, always be aware of where you are mm-hmm. with the ocean because it's treacherous. Yeah. Don't yeah. go too deep because you don't know if there's going to be an undercurrent. That's right. That's right. I mean, that's the things that we live with living on the coast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I took that in mind in the books that I picked. So I picked one that expresses the majesty and the fun of the ocean, mm-hmm. but also one that that reveals its darker and dangerous side. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the first book I picked is uh, The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. I'm excited because I've heard good things about this book. It is. It's um, On the whole, I think it's a very good book, and I really appreciate her, and I will definitely read more of her work. So a little thing about Samantha Shannon. She's a younger lady. Uh, she's a British author. She got her book deal, her first book deal, while she was still in Oxford University. <laughs> I say that like with a little bit of jealousy in my voice. Oh, Did yeah, you yeah. notice that? Yeah, like, I'm like, she was in university, Oxford University, and she had to book deal. But that's cool. It's because she she earned it. She's a good writer. Um, she claims this is intense. She claims to have written her first book 15 hours a day. She was like saying she's addicted to writing. So she would like I want that problem. Sit down and write, 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 and couldn't stop until she had like raccoon eyes and stuff. God. Yeah. She, so I'm like, I, you. I want that problem. <laughs> Just be healthy. Just be healthy. <laughs> I hope she ate. She probably did. I hope Cheez-Its on the side. <laughs> Cheez-Its. <laughs> Every four pages I write, I have a cheez Anywho, continue yeah. on. She's probably known for her dystopian fiction, not so much for her fantasy. I think this was her first fantasy book. So you might have heard of The Bone Season, which is a series. No. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> well, uh, it has been optioned by Gollum himself. Anthony Serpis, or Andy Serpis, rather, oh. who is, uh, he's now a producer, so he's now producing all these cool shows. I think he'll be on Netflix eventually. I would say he's only allowed to produce if he uses his golem voice when giving direction. <laughs> oh my god, that's so scary. That was very good. Go Joshua. He's like under new golem. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll do voiceover for golem uh, in any uh, library activity. Poor Andy said that he had to drink so much tea when doing Gollum. Oh, yeah, because he was, he was, yeah, he was full on. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> priority. Uh, this book is a big book. Yeah. It's a hunker. It's as big as a doorstop. Yeah. Probably could act as one. It's about 800 plus pages. And it takes place mostly in the west and the east of this imaginary world. The west is the virtue dome of Innes. And it's been at peace with its neighbors for generations. After the defeat of the Nameless One, the evil fire dragon of the West. Ooh, dragons, you're for it. Yes. So at this point, he's been dead for thousands of years. And he's in prison. I mean, not really dead, he's in prison. In a, a little capsule under the sea, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's interesting. Uh, but he will remain in prison so long as there is, there is a queen that sits upon the throne of the Virtue Dome. I think I know what's going to happen. Yes. Well, in the East, dragons and humans live peacefully. Except the dragons are dragons of air and water. They're like, you have more of a conception of Japanese or Chinese or Korean-style dragons. Okay. Whereas the um, the West has more Western-style dragons. Okay. Antagonistic. Okay. The East, they're, they're friendly. Yeah. And um, they are companions to the legendary dragon riders. And one of our main characters, Tane, uh, has trained her whole life to be one. And um, the book opens in the East, where one night she's on the beach, just like doing her last minute training, studying before her big test. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, a man is marooned on the beach. Now, this is a bad thing, because in the East, foreigners are not allowed. Yeah, it's a closed society. So she's faced with a dilemma right off. Do I just leave him? Do I kill him? Which she, you know, what the law would say she would have to do. That's yeah. hardcore. It's so hardcore. <laughs> but humanity wins out. And she's like, I'm just going to help this fool. Yeah. So, um, Buddy, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to help this fool. So she takes him and leaves him with a, a trust, trusted friend. I did air quotes because, yeah, yeah I won't get into it, but you'll find out if you read the book. Yeah. 
Turns out um, that trusted friend's also a fool. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So, yeah, she risks her future as a dragon rider and her, her life to save this guy. So you may have gotten a sense that this book follows different perspectives. So with each chapter, we switch a perspective among four different people. The main perspectives are Tane of the East and a woman named Ayadaz or Ayad of the West. Okay. Now, Ayad is a spy in the Queen's court, and she's making sure that all is well in Virtudum. So she's like there to like keep tabs on the Queen to make sure she doesn't die. Make sure her butt is on the throne. Yes, her butt is on the throne. Yeah, there's no no possible assassins who would want to remove her for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in a person of high power, you got to have like your security. Yeah, you got to have people watching your back. She comes from a land of Ursir, which is a little bit south of the Virtue Dome, Virtue Dome of Innis. And Ursir is where the Priory is, the Priory of the Orange Tree. And it is uh, a group of women who devote their life to studying illegal magic and slaying dragons. Oh. Yeah, so apparently, even though the nameless one is gone, there's still, like, little lesser dragons running around causing trouble. So they're the ones that go out there and kill those. Uh, so there's there's a couple more perspectives, but they're not important to what I'm talking about today. Okay. So what, what I liked about this book was the relationship that developed between uh, the queen and Aeod. I've heard it described that it's, like, enemies to friends, but uh, to lovers. But I don't, I didn't get that. I just thought it was more like opposites attract. Like the queen is kind of like uh, very haughty and um, she throws tantrums when she doesn't get her way. Oh my God. But that doesn't turn Aeon off. She's kind of like, oh, she's kind of cute when she's angry. Oh my God. <laughs> There's somebody for everybody. <laughs> exactly. And the queen likes Aeon because Aeon doesn't let her get away with her crap. Like, the queen knows when she throws tantrums that she's being ridiculous. Question. Oh. Aeod is the spy? Or? Yes, Aeod is the spy. Okay. Sorry. So is the spy and the dragon rider from the other side different people? They're different people. Okay. Yes. So okay. they're, they're taking, sorry, I didn't make that clear, but they're, they're existing in different parts of the world. Okay. They do meet later on, but. Okay. Um, I just wanted to make sure we're talking about two separate people. Yeah, two separate people. Okay. Sorry. No, you're good. So Tani in the east, she's the dragon rider. Aeod is the dragon slayer. Okay. Yes. Okay. So uh, I also enjoyed that Tani's part, uh, especially when Tani gets to her dragon that she rides. The dragon, I'm going to butcher this name, is Nyathamun, I think. I was like, that sounds great. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so their bond is really cool. They're, they start to develop a really close bond. They're more like sisters mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, uh, you know, horse and, horse and master kind of thing. But yeah. they're like, they like listen to each other's advice and things like that. It was very sweet. And I felt for these characters so strongly, especially when bad things started to happen to Tane and her dragon friend. Yeah. Uh, so I felt kind of rattled by that. Mm. Okay, so the best part of the book is when we get to the ocean. Because there's pirates, Ooh, there's yes. a search for secret lost treasure, and there's a battle in the ocean. It's so cool. So, like, probably near the middle half of the book, Tane is found out. The leaders of her country found out that she's been harboring a a uh, fugitive uh, a foreigner, the fool, because he can't keep his mouth shut, no. <laughs> and she kind of gets exiled. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And she gets exiled to this island, and she loses her dragon. Oh. Yeah. I, I hope this isn't spoiling anything, but it's very important for what I'm going to talk about here. Because okay. she does eventually decide to leave her imprisonment. Yeah. And she comes into contact with these scary pirates. And they are so scary. They are called, this is pretty awesome, good name for a pirate fleet, I think, the Golden Empress and the Fleet of the Tiger Eye. Yes. Yeah. Yes, please. Yes. And they uh, they poach dragons. Mm. Yeah. So apparently there's a, a thriving black market for dragon skin. Mm. Yeah. That's bummer. Yeah. So they clash when they capture Nayathaman, who is <gasps> Tani's dragon. No. Yes. Mess him yes. up. Mess him up. But it gets even, it, it gets crazier because Tane, she strikes a deal with the Golden Empress mm-hmm. to let Nyathaman go if they help her find this treasure that will grant the Empress immortality, mm-hmm. that will make her the true Golden Empress. This is very parts of the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, Don't right? touch the gold, you'll turn into a zombie. Exactly. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what, happens, what happens, but it is pretty fun. It's crazy, Johnny Depp comes along. <laughs> it's true, it's true. And 
And what follows is a riveting adventure on the high seas, going to uncharted lands and uh, seeing strange and cool things. And that's just like after all of the craziness in the first half of the book. So uh, it's so epic. It's so epic. That's fine. And that's why I picked it because it's like the best part of the book that takes place in the ocean. And it's just wild. Yeah. You know, you get you get that sense of you get the sense of a fantasy world where things are just so okay. So what what I like about fantasy worlds that take us on a sea voyage mm-hmm. is that you get you spend some time inhabiting a really strange and unusual place, but then when you go on a sea voyage, you go in somewhere stranger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Stranger for the cause because it's weird for the characters too. You're like, where am I going? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Fantasy <laughs> is fun. Um, just some things that I, you should be aware of things that I didn't particularly like. I don't know if it had to be so long because as, as you get a sense, a lot happens in this book. Yeah. 800 pages. 800 pages. And, um, it's just chock full of all these ideas that are great, but I don't know if they all go well together. Should have been split into two books. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it should have been a, a, at least a duology, possibly a trilogy Mm -hmm. because when one event happens, we don't really spend much time consolidating the importance of that event before we jump off somewhere else okay. and something else big happens. So there's not really any closure that we get from each particular scene. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, okay, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. Yeah. And we don't get a time for reflection. Gotcha. I think that's important. Also, the, the bad guy, the nameless one, he's like evil for the sake of evil. Okay. He wants to destroy everything because he's evil, and he's evil because he wants to destroy anything. He's not very complex. No, he's, he's a very one-dimensional character. Oh, okay. And I think, well, that was okay for epic fantasy back in the day. Nowadays, we like a little nuance, yeah. especially in our villains, you yeah. know? Especially since this nameless one has a following. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you follow somebody who just wants to kill you anyway? Doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Other than that, it is such an adventure, and it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you want a chunky book. Exactly. Exactly. It'll last you a while. Hopefully. (laughs) Depends on how voracious of a reader you are. It it took me a month to finish this. Yeah. I believe it. (laughs) Because I'm a slow reader. Whatever. It was a month. It was well spent. I agree. Okay. My turn? Yeah. Your turn. Go for it. Okay. So I am reviewing The Wicked Deep by Shay Earnshaw. This is a ghost story. I've heard of this. Okay. She was the 2019 Oregon Book Award winner, and she actually lives in Oregon. And this book takes place on the Oregon coast in the fictional town called Sparrow. And it's really cool because, like, the town itself, it's, like, stuck between, like, the ocean and the mountains. So it's, like, really cut off from every other place. Kind of sounds like it's (laughs) there. I know. It does. I think that's part of the reason I love this book. Yeah. And when I was looking at reviews again, because it's been a couple of years since I read it, like I own it, but it's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were saying, this book is really atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Like there's almost a mm-hmm. distance between you and the main character the whole time. But like the, like the way she describes things is amazing. Like at one point, Penny is our main character mm-hmm. and Penny lives on this tiny, tiny little island right off the coast. She has to boat in to like go to school and stuff, which mm-hmm. is kind of fun. But she was talking about how she was boating in with like sunken ships below her. Like, ooh, ooh, like that's, that's cool. <laughs> so on and on her island, her and her mom are in charge of the lighthouse. <sighs> okay, right. so I, oh my gosh, I I think this is so awesome because yeah. I've always wanted to live in a lighthouse. Me too. <laughs> so cool. It's, I just love the idea of like being windswept in mm-hmm. my shawl mm-hmm. in the lighthouse and looking out. <laughs> the beam of the lighthouse gets yeah. yeah. light into the depths of the night ocean oh, the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> so like this book it's very atmospheric it's beautiful mm-hmm. so in this book a couple hundred years ago there was these three girls called the swan sisters mm-hmm. short story long story short they were too hot all the men fell in love with them <laughs> everybody else got pissed and so the town people were like witches and they tied rocks to their ankles and threw them into the harbor people <laughs> don't don't Project your insecurities on others. Those girls no, are too hot. No. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. And to be fair, like some of the girls are like, you very nice. Okay. I mean. I mean, it takes two to tango. Exactly. I was it takes like, two to tango. What, what did they do to the very men? Probably nothing. I was like, she was a witch. I couldn't help it. She was too hot. So I chucked them into the ocean. 
But now, every year since that's happened, every summer, they call it swan season, Mm -hmm. three boys drown. Mm -hmm. And the theory is that the ghosts of the girls come and inhabit three living girls. And they lure those boys into the ocean and drown them. Oh, yeah. It's hardcore. So, (laughs) yeah, they're like, it's a swan, swan sisters revenge every summer, swan season. And so swan season's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And Penny, it's like she believes in it, but she doesn't take too much notice, too much notice of it. Maybe it helps because she's a girl. Yeah. (laughs) You know, she's like, I'm not a boy, I won't drop. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) The teens have this crazy ritual at the beginning of swan season where they all jump into the ocean and come back out. Like, why would you do that? Why would you go get possessed by a swamp girl? Because why would you do that? They want to show off. That's why. They're like, gosh, you guys are dumb. Mm-hmm. And she notices this new boy has come to town. She he hasn't like gone to her school or anything. She has a conversation with them, and he's like, I I need to find work. And just he he's a little cagey about why he's there, but he's like, I don't have a place to stay. I need to find a place to work. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm, I'm kind of nervous that he might be a victim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like. You can come stay at my, she has like a little house, like a little guest house okay. aside from her. So the book kind of turns into like a whodunit murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of learning that this boy, Bo, he maybe has a history from other boys dying and like why he's there. And mm-hmm. she's like, why is he actually here? And where are the Swan sisters? How can I keep him alive? Like, so it's, it's interesting. Kind of, kind of goes back and forth between what happened with the Swan sisters back in the day and what's mm-hmm. going on now. Mm-hmm. so it's good it's atmospheric i would say the love story is not that strong okay. i feel like i say that a lot with these books i'm very thick with my love stories yeah i wasn't mad at this love story i was just like it's not it's not the main feature it's all about the police it was good it's definitely a fun little ghosty story mm-hmm. so, and a, a twist that i didn't see coming Ooh, so. i like it <laughs> i like it yeah i like books that play on uh questions like it sounds like there's an established lore to this town, but, you know, other people might hear about it and take advantage of that to do whatever yeah. dark thing that they do. so excited. Because, like, the boys do start drowning. You're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, keeps you off, off guard. And you're like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. I like it. I like that mystery element. Yeah. Is there a swan sister about mm-hmm. what's going on? And like the teens are like starting to ban in different groups because they think like this girl might be a swan sister. So they like take her hostage. No. Yeah. It's yeah. very Salem witch trials. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And actually Shay Earnshaw, you know, what's today? Today is. This the 18th of um, June. June. So yeah. Shay Earnshaw, she was on was Twitter and she was like swan season. Is almost at an end because she like names the dates of Swan Season, so she's like giving a free book away or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Swan Season just ended. <laughs> That's so <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's cool, but also kind of creepy. <laughs> oh yeah, oh I love it. I love it, and I would say her other book. Um, oh, I don't remember what it is, like Wildwood or something. But mm-hmm. it, instead, of the ocean takes place in a place that's like Crater Lake, like yeah. in the woods up in the mountains. Yeah, that one's again very atmospheric and ghosty. Cool. Very fun. I highly recommend taking a look at your books if you love the ocean, if you have an appreciation for the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. I loved it. Yes, that sounds great. It sounds like she's a, she's a, I mean, Oregonian through and through. Mm-hmm. She highlights all the cool aspects of our state, the uh-huh. rugged coast. Yeah. Uh, the mountains and the forests. Yeah. I'm excited to where she goes next. Yeah. Yeah, she has another book coming out, and I don't know what it's called, mm-hmm. but she, she did two young adult books. A History of Wild Places was the new one. Sounds cool. I like it. Yeah. And she has a great Instagram. She like mm-hmm. takes pictures of herself and she looks like she's having the best time writing. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm out in the woods today <gasps> and I'm taking pictures and then I'm going to get back to writing next to my candle. Oh, like, oh my God. Can I have your life? That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, my next book. Okay. People. <laughs> People. Okay. This, um, <laughs> this book is not going to be for everybody. Okay. I have to say it right now. Okay. It's The Deep by Nick Cutter. And the thing you need to know about Nick Cutter, he doesn't pull any punches. Oh, I know this dude. (laughs) He's probably one of the most graphic horror writers uh, producing right now. Okay. He does not spare you any details. He's very visual as a writer, Mm -hmm. which can be 
I mean, fun for a writer. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about the certain subject matter he's talking about, especially in this book, you need to be aware. So I'm going to give you some trigger warnings okay. before you pick up the book. That being said, he is an excellent writer. I enjoyed his work, his words, how he strings a story together. But the imagery he creates and the subject matter he deals with is really hard. And I am a, I consider myself a, a high tolerance. Yeah. Um, but this book was almost a bridge too far. Gosh. <laughs> for me. Probably not a not a book for me because my no. tolerance is not high right now. For me, I, I don't think you should ever read anything by Nick Cutter. Oh, no. You, okay. you will not be happy. Thanks, Joshua. <laughs> so a um, little thing about Nick Cutter. He's, he's a pretty interesting guy. Nick Cutter is not his name. It's a pen name for the writer Craig Davidson, who is a Canadian author. A funny story about Craig. So he, he published a book called The Fire. It was his debut novel. And um, to do research for that, he took steroids for six weeks. What? Yeah. Why? Just so he knew what the character was going through, I guess. Oh, like, that's one way to mess up your body. Yeah. Wait, to promote the book, he organized a fully sanctioned boxing match against a poet, the poet Michael Knox, who was a poet in Canada, uh, and later a match against the American novelist Jonathan Ames. Okay, that's kind of fun. That's, I mean, it's really fun. <laughs> what a way to promote your book. You just have a fight. That's <laughs> like, amazing. Whoa. This guy's intense. Okay. Uh, the both the boxing matches he lost. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say that he got knocked out, because I don't think that happened. They were yeah. probably well protected. Yeah. Oh, my God. Scars. <laughs> Still. That's amazing. That's so intense. Uh, and you get a sense of what kind of writer he is. He's oh, my God. Like, so... Trigger warnings about this book. Okay. If you don't like reading about animals in pain or being killed, do not read this book. Okay. Uh, if you do not like hearing descriptions of child abuse, do not read this book. Okay. If you don't like reading about blood and gory deaths, do not read this book. Wow. <laughs> this, is, this is the book for the intense reader. For the intense reader. And I listened to it as oh, an audio book. Wow. So that like turned the volume up to two, like 11. Yeah. Did you have to up the speed? I, oh, I always up the speed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I can't listen to a book. Or I listen to a book that's normal speed. They, they talk too slow. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> that's really funny. So uh, also, this book takes place with a pandemic. Um, oh, oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's that's the opening. Yay! <laughs> uh, so the world is dying. A plague called the Gets, uh, short for forgets, has ravaged every country with an incurable condition. It is a disease that attacks the memory centers of your brain. Like Alzheimer's? Yeah, like Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. You slowly forget. Yeah. Like you, you lose your short-term memory, then your long-term memory, and then you forget how your body functions. Mm. So if you don't die from starvation or, fir- or thirst, you suffocate. Oh, my Because you forget to breathe. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. It's pretty intense. That is intense. So hoping for a cure, governments are pouring money into this deep-sea research on a mysterious and recently discovered substance called ambrosia. Mm-hmm. And it's like this gelatinous thing that's fleshy colored. It's kind of gross. I'm making like weird claw. You're making like hands at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's squishy. Uh, and it can only be found in the Mariana Trench, the deepest part of the ocean called the Challenger Deep. Of course. Yes. Of course. So... Luke Nelson, who's our main character, we follow his perspective throughout the story. He's contacted by the military overseers of this project that's taking place in the Mariana Trench. There's, a, there's an undersea laboratory at the very bottom of the trench, and that's where his brother, who is an accomplished scientist, is working with two other scientists. So the military uh, contacts him with this cryptic message from his brother asking for help. And Clayton, uh, Clayton is Luke's brother, is the lead scientist, and the surface has lost contact with the undersea lab. So bad. Mm-hmm. Of course. Real bad. And it's been for weeks. This is very aliens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's like aliens meets the abyss meets the shining. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Crazy. So for the sake of humanity, Luke decides to be like, okay, I'll go see my brother. <laughs> And so he enters the crushing, crushing depths of the realm of eternal night. It's, it's like dark. Oh, yeah. It's so dark. And there's horrifying creatures down there, yeah. like oarfish and anglers <sighs> and goblin sharks. Yes. 
so, really all about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it, okay. Sorry. Sidetrack again. Have you ever seen the um, the Blue Planet, Richard Attenborough? I've, I've seen at least chunks. If I haven't seen the whole thing. Okay. So there's one called The Deep. Huh, oddly enough, the title of this book that it, he filmed. He did underwater photography of the Mariana Trench. Oh my God, it's so creepy. The way the fish like move through the darkness, they're like horrifying ghosts. It's, Just, like, oh, it's so crazy. It's like you picture aliens and that's our ocean. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's the most alien atmosphere ever in our, I mean, yeah, that we know of. And it's like part of our natural world. Yeah. It's intense. Guess where we don't go down there. <laughs> Not like this dude. No, let's, this let's dude did loop. it. Um, <laughs> I, I felt connected with the characters going through this book. They're sympathetic. And he gives you a background of their traumatic experiences. Luke and Clayton experienced some terrible child abuse from their mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's described in vivid detail. So that was hard to get through. But when he switches between the present and the past, that just creates so much tension. You just feel like the pressure that is like inside this underwater space is like crushing pressure. It's like you're experiencing it as a reader because like psychologically you're dealing with the horrible trauma of the child abuse, but also the scary crap that's going on in the sea lab. Yeah. It's like, oh, so the monster in the story. Okay. It's like this. So, so ambrosia is important because it kind of like melds with whatever living thing it touches and it doesn't really make a copy of it. It kind of like becomes it and replaces the thing. But what's weird about it is that it's impervious to the pressure of the underwater world. It's impervious to any kind of atmospheric thing that happens to it. Like it can't burn, it can't uh, mm-hmm. suffocate, it can't it can't catch a disease. Okay. So they want they want to find out like why is it like that and what can we use from that to it like a us. sentient immortal flesh. Exactly. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Yes. The ambrosia is not what we assume is just like a a single cell organism. It has an intelligence behind it, and it's a freakishly old intelligence. And uh, that's where the real terror comes in, because this monster doing some terrible experiments of its own on the scientists oh, and everyone involved. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so there's a part with some bees. Oh my god. I oh I, I, I thought I was okay with bees until that scene in the book so like, let me mess up bees for you yeah. forever and oh my god there's also a part where he describes like a centipede i have a mortal fear of centipedes oh okay so there's a scene where like luke he remembers a time when luke luke's child uh was in a crib and he starts crying because he's be- being bitten repeatedly by a centipede oh, Ooh. It all. Ooh, it's so creepy so yeah you you have the tension of the past the terror of the present, and also this idea that you can't escape this underwater world. You can't just walk out the, the lab mm-hmm. because you're stuck. Where are you going to go? Into the crushing deep of the, of the dark ocean? Night, no. night forever. Exactly. Yeah, I, I picked this book because it's representative of the mystery and the danger that exists in our oceans. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel really strong, <laughs> you want to test yourself, yeah. pick this one up. Otherwise, I think maybe give it a miss. <laughs> or any Nick Cutter book. I've, I've heard about his other books. Yeah, too. yeah. He, his other book is The Troop. And once again, bad things happen to kids, bad things happen to animals. So uh, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty steady trigger warning for most yeah. people. Go so on. You might want to miss that. But that's why we're here to tell you what's, what's, what's what, going on. What's what in the books. So yeah, if you think you can handle that, go for it. Nice work. Thank you. My last book is also about a sea monster. It's, so this book is called Fractured Tide by mm-hmm. Leslie Lutz. It was her debut novel. came out in 2020. So this book was described as lost meets stranger things. Mm-hmm. So Tasia, some, some people call her Sia. Mm-hmm. Sia works with her family on a scuba diving business. Her dad is in jail currently mm-hmm. and so her mom i was kind of mad at her mom her mom pulled her out of school and now makes her help with the scuba diving business no. so theoretically she's supposed to be doing homeschool but she's really not yeah. she's doing the school of life kind of thing <laughs> she's doing the school of life 
And, you know, it's like she she's kind of in survival mode. Like she they have to do as many scuba diving trips as they can to, you know, make the money flow. And they they help other people go scuba dive. So she's on a scuba diving trip with a few people and they go down to the shipwreck. And the rule is that, you know, you stay with the person. You know, they've gone over all the basics. And she goes down there with this dude. And she, he was actually really, really seasick. And she convinced him, like, she's like, put on, put on her goggles, put on everything, go down low, like, the seasickness will go away. And she feels bad about that because the food, he ends up not having a very good time. They're in the ship, right? Mm -hmm. And she sees an octopus and she's really excited. She's like, oh, cool. And, you know, she kind of watches it float away. And she was in the room with the dude. When she turns around, he's gone. (gasps) That's He's just gonzos. She's like, what? Like, and she knows she's supposed to be keeping an eye on them, but she's like, like nobody usually moves away from me, you know. And she was down there with one other diver, and the other diver's like, I'm gonna go up there and get your mom, let her know what's happening. She's like, okay, because she still sees a silt trail happening, like mm-hmm. through the through the ship, the path he might have taken. Yeah, so she's like, I'm gonna follow that while there's still a trail. And so she follows. There's this crazy scene where she goes into this room and she sees a big group of fish. She's like, ooh, you know, you know, like careful of it. But then she sees this green glow coming and something inside her brain is like, you have to hide. Like that is bad. And she looks at the grouper and the group has hidden itself in between two walls and it's not even looking at her anymore, it's looking towards the door. Like whatever's coming, it's bad. And she does, she turns off her flashlight. Mm-hmm. So she's in pitch dark down the bottom of like this dive. And there's just something in her brain. It's like, stay quiet. Don't move. Bad. It's a hunter. It's a hunter. Mm. She's like, I am prey right now. I don't know what that is. I know it's bad. Her mom ends up popping up and she has found the dude and he's dead. Oh my. Yeah. And she, she feels like she's crazy because she looks at the guy and she feels like she sees phosphorescent goo leaping out of his eyes. Okay. And she's like, what is that? You know, like that's not right, but it's the same kind of green glow that she saw earlier. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, not good. So they pull him back up to the top, and her mom, again, not thrilled with her mom. Her mom is like, Why did you leave him? She's like, I didn't. Like, he left me. And her mom's kind of just like throwing the blame on her. Yeah. And it, part of it is her mom is upset and scared because Sia is 17. She's not 18. Mm-hmm. She's not supposed to be doing dive okay. trips alone yeah. with adults. Yeah. <laughs> So immediately her mom is like, got the body up here. You're going to go on another diet trip right now with everybody else who's left. And she's like, mom, that's crazy pants. Like, no way. Like there's a dude who just died. And she's like, see ya. Do you know what happened last time somebody died? She's like, what? She's like, the next day, everybody else went on dive again. She's like, she's like, people get over stuff really, really fast. This reminds me of like, you've seen Jaws? Yeah. Where like after the shark attack, everyone's like back in the water. Yeah. And that's what her mom's <laughs> saying. She's like, see ya, we really depend on like the money flowing in. Mm-hmm. We hopefully want like still like decent ratings, even though this has happened. She's like, and also when the cops come to collect the body, she's like, I want you down underwater where they can't question you. Right. Oh, this is so much pressure to put on a 17. <laughs> and I get it. Like her mom is like under a lot of pressure yeah. of like poverty and you know, all this stuff is happening, but I was like, don't pull her out of school. Yeah. Don't be mad at her when this thing happens. Like I, I had issues with her mom, but right. anyhow, what ends up happening is so another boat comes and they're all kind of waiting together for the cops to come collect the body. And they were all going to go back to actually, they were going to go back to shore together and meet the cops at the shore. All the electronics die. All the electronics die. Cell phones, the so boats die. They're like in the middle of the ocean, everything's yeah, dead. Everything's dead. Oh, shit. No. Right. right. And so they're like, people are going to know, like, we're missing, you know, like, we'll, we'll wait for a plane, we'll shoot for a flare, or, you know, we'll figure this out, it'll be fine. Sia, at one point, oh, and I should say, the other boat came with a bunch of teens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a science trip. Oh they were like, it's the end of the year science trip. So there's like a whole bunch of teens who are kind of, they're kind of snooty towards her. They're like, well, where are you going to go to college? She's like, I'm not going to college. Like, I'm gonna work on the boat <laughs> like they're they're smart snooty teens no. not every single one but yeah. you know yeah you know how it is yeah the yeah. so at one point sia has to go back in the water apparently so when you go on a dive uh a common thing according to the book and i think it's right because the author is a diver mm-hmm. 
you leave an oxygen tank with like supplies at 15 feet below the surface. So if you have to come back up, you know, you can't come up too fast. Otherwise you get the bends. Yeah. Yeah, you get the bends. So if you're running out of oxygen, you at least have oxygen and stuff at 15 feet, so you can hang out for longer. Mm. So the mom is like, hey, like I think that has dropped down actually like too low. I don't know where it's gone. And the mom was actually going to go out and get it. Go and see it. don't. <laughs> you're in a horror movie. Don't do it. No, you don't even know yet. You're in a horror movie. And when Sia had told her, like, I saw this big glow, whatever, the mom was like, no, you got, she called it, you got narked. Like, there was something about nitrogen buildup or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. She's like, you were seeing things. And Sia's like, yeah, you're probably right. So Sia wants to get off the boat of all these teens. And she likes being in the water. She likes going out in the dark. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she's actually kind of like a thrill seeker. She yeah. really likes it. So she's like, I'll, I'll go get this stuff. Don't worry about it. She hops down there. And the other thing I should say about this book, this book is written as a letter to her dad in jail. Ooh, okay. So it's like in a, the, the technical term is an epistolary. That yeah. it's a, a, a book that's written as a letter. Yeah. Mm. So it's like she'll say things like, I shouldn't have gotten in the water. I didn't know any better. You know, you have like this, mm-hmm. like she knows what has happened already. So mm-hmm. it makes it even creepier. So she like goes down to the water. She's like, I, if I had swung my light around, I would have realized what was circling me. I was like, oh my God. So it's brilliant the way she's written. Yeah, it. yeah. So she sees something gray and it shoots right at her and it knocks her in the chest. She goes up because she's remembering the creature from earlier. And she goes back up. She goes to the boat. And the teens are like, oh, cool, like a shark. And see, at this point, it feels dumb. She's like, I shouldn't have panicked. Like, it's it was fine. Like, sharks, they'll come check you out like they did with me. But she's like, it probably won't eat me. Mm-hmm. And then they're realizing something weird is happening with the shark. And the shark is kind of like thrashing around. And also you see these green goo tendrils go over the shark mm-hmm. and eat the shark and pull the shark down. And you're like, dang, there it is. There nice it is. pantomime with your hands. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The way she describes it, it, it reminds me of like green gelatinous goo. Mm. It kind of, it has mm. tendrils in it. It pulls the shark down. Uh-huh. Well, then it starts pulling teens down. No. It starts going over the edges of the boat and going around the ankles yanking them off the side. That'd be so scary. Like you're oh, just so hanging cool. out with your friends talking and then all of a sudden one gets... <laughs> Yeah, and oh they're, gosh. like, screaming, and oh my gosh, it was crazy. I promise I'm not going to give this whole book away. Right. I won't give you a play-by-play. I made my husband sit and do a play-by-play, because I read this in a day, mm-hmm. and every, like, half hour, I would tell what was happening. <laughs> he was, like, playing his video game. I was like, I have to tell you what's happening. This is crazy. Anyhow, a lot of kids get eaten. She ends up getting knocked in the head, and when she wakes up, she's on an island. She ends up surviving with two other teens. One's a butt, one's really nice, and then her younger brother, who's seven years old. Yeah, her baby brother was on the on the ship. And while they're on this island, they're kind of realizing there's something wrong with this island. There's like weird time loops happening. Like the boy was like, hey, like this flock of birds watch. He's like, it's going to land right there. And one's going to get a bite with that one. And he calls it. Mm-hmm. So she's noticing all these time loops on the island. And they're obviously starving too. Like they're starting to, you know, they don't have food or whatever. And all the coconuts on the island are like rotting. Ooh, yeah. Like there's something. They stand on the edges. She she thinks there's something wrong with the forest. Mm-hmm. She's like, something feels really bad about it. Um, so she offers to go and like get food in the ocean. They're all like, don't go in there. That thing's in there. They realize she has about 10 minutes in the ocean before it realizes she's in there. And it comes to get her. Mm-hmm. So she'll go and she'll get a lobster really quick and get out of the ocean before the thing. Okay. Like, and at night, they'll see the green glow across the island and like it'll be swimming around and it's crazy pants. It's crazy pants. And just like all this weird stuff is happening. I like I don't want to give all of it away, but it's mm-hmm. like she she thinks she's seen people and then they'll like disappear. And she feels like she she's like, I feel like I've seen these scenes before, but I don't mm-hmm. know why. It's crazy. Wow, that's a, it's good. Such an interesting mashup. Yeah, it really is. When they say Stranger Things meets Lost. Lost. <laughs> like it's accurate. Uh-huh. It's accurate. I I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was really good. It was like a fun thriller. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That sounds like a good, um, so like the one I mentioned is very dark and heavy. That would be, that would be a good one for it. Yeah. This that is a lighter version. Else. Yes. Because <laughs> it's, it's still like, it's still dark, you know, it's not like, it's not yeah. like happy. No, so no, no. It's not that, but it's, it's like a thriller. Yeah. It sounds exciting. 
there's an adventure aspect. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. And she's like a thrill seeker. It's really interesting to hear her talk about diving, how she actually likes diving in the dark. She's like, mm-hmm. I like feeling like I'm in space, like I'm the only one there. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. That's Some cool. people, when I was looking at the reviews, they don't like how technical the author got with like the diving aspects. Uh-huh. I really liked it. Yeah. I was like, this is interesting. I would never have known this. It, it kind of lends some authenticity to the story, but mm-hmm. also it's immersive. Yeah. Where you like, you feel like you're you're a diver with this kind of expertise. Yeah. Because you're following a diver with that kind of expertise. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed with this being the debut novel. I thought it was really good. Nice. I would say maybe the end could have had a little bit more... The ending could have been a little stronger, in yeah. my opinion. But yeah. I, I still wasn't mad. Like, I wasn't mad. Yeah. Like, this is a book I would recommend to people. It was good. fun. Good. Good. I mean, the this sounds like a satisfying uh, conclusion. It sounds like a, a thrilling story. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. I'm like a sea creature that's like really scary because you don't want you don't know it's gonna pop up. You don't know. And it's like oh, it's fun. Yeah, good job, Brittany. Yeah, Thanks. It's exciting. Thanks. Okay, everybody, those are our books today. Yeah. Um, I hope it inspires you to read and bring some books to the beach. Yeah. If you're if you're going to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> don't get in the water. Don't, no. Yes, be careful of the water. But this is solid advice. If you're scuba diving, don't leave your group. Don't leave your don't group. Don't do that. This is this is. If you're planning on getting the ocean at all, yeah, take a buddy. Take a buddy. Yes. Take tell buddy. tell people where you're going because um, you never know when something happens. Yeah. And we don't want to freak you out, but this is this is the truth about the ocean. Yeah. It's fun, but you have to be safe. At the very least, it's like if there's you're not going with anybody, text somebody ahead of time. Be like, I'm planning on being back at this time. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, like this is where I went. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. I've done that with a couple hiking trips where it's like I went hiking by myself and I texted a friend ahead of time like, yeah. I'm going here. I plan on being back at this time. Please call me back. Yeah. Recreational safety. Yep. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also high tides. Don't mess around with high tides. No. Don't go to the beach when it's high tide. Wait till it's low tide. Yeah. I heard that this, you know, since the pandemic left, we're going out with that mm-hmm. and a lot of people are, there's a lot more search and rescues happening mm-hmm. because people don't know what they're doing. Not being safe. Yeah. yeah. So, it, if you're going to do that, go with somebody who's done that hike before. Mm-hmm. You know, text somebody ahead of time. Yes. Don't mess with high tide. No, no, yes. Like, take baby steps. Don't do this hard trail, you know? Like, yeah. work your yeah. way up to it. Bring your water. Oh, yeah. That's uh, the big stay thing. Stay hydrated. That's important. Especially now that it's really hot in the West, right? Yeah. Hotter. So, just be careful. We care about you guys. We don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and you're having fun. We want you to have fun. Yeah, go have fun, but take precautions. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what our topic is next time? Next? Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh I know what it is. It's so fun. Okay, so uh, we are doing, uh, we're going we're gonna to be doing a movie talk. Brittany and I are going to watch a movie, and we're going to talk about what happens, what are our experiences with it. Yeah. Um, this is a movie that we grew up with. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was like a big summer movie back in the 90s. Was it 90s or was it 80s? Was it, I think it was 90s. I don't know. I, I don't think it was 80s. Maybe it was like 89. <laughs> That's as far as I'll go. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's Tremors. 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 It's so much fun. Yeah, we. it's a formative one for us. I think it's probably one of the first horror movies. I mean, I watched as, oh, as yeah. a child. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to watch Tremors, and we're going to talk about it. And give you a chance to watch it yourself mm-hmm. and participate in the dialogue. Yeah. So we'll be back in about two weeks. Two weeks. We'll talk about Tremors. Yeah. And we're going to have so much fun. Yeah. Should we review what, what were the books we did? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I reviewed The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon and The Deep by Nick Cutter. Hardcore. Hardcore. I reviewed Fractured Tide by Leslie Lutz and The Wicked Deep by Shay Earnshaw. Okay, thanks everybody. Thanks everybody. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to us at our email at starships at coosbaylibrary.org or on Instagram at swords and starships, no spaces. Thanks. See, I, I wanted to talk about oxes, but we can talk about those later. Oxes? Oxes, oh, no, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we can take a pop moment, John, right? Yeah. Okay. Because in Wait. my mind, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, let's talk about the yeah. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> so, this is a really random aside. <laughs> We're going to edit this. It's going to be great. But my parents live in Utah. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who lives in the country, you know it's really normal to like borrow people's animals to like eat your lawn. When you live in the country, you usually have a decent amount of lawn yeah. and you don't always want to mow it, especially if it's not flat. So my parents live in Utah and their neighbors have yaks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like they sound like bison. It's the ones with like, they have a, their bangs go over their head. Yeah. They kind of look like surfers. Yeah. <laughs> so my parents' neighbors have yaks. Right now, Utah's going through a drought. Mm-hmm. And so the neighbors have run out of grass for the yaks to eat, and they don't want to keep buying feed for them. So they asked my parents, can they come eat your grass? So like, sweet, yeah. And so the neighbors are really nice. They like, built a fence and everything. And so my, my parents have yaks right now, two young yaks. Mm-hmm. and Boys? Two boys I, or I have two no idea. Two ladies? Non-binary. Non-binary. That's right. <laughs> you shouldn't have to make them choose. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. That's okay. But yeah, so my parents have yak, so I have been sending Joshua yak videos. Uh-huh. My dad was like petting a yak and it got mad. Like, yeah. oh, oh, it was so it was like I was like, Oh, he's so cute and then he like he like bucked his head. Yeah. And kinda like gave your dad like a, a don't touch me stare. Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah. that is that is not okay. Not <laughs> I'm kinda yeah. scared. That's scared. My dad has no fear. Yeah. He was like, That's a lot of hair. He's My dad has no fear. He's not wrong. It he's was not wrong. It's a lot of hair. That's <laughs> our <surfer> yak. <laughs> Anyhow, that's our yak aside. I love that story. I think it's so cool. We should put the yaks on our Instagram. We should. <laughs> yes, because they're such fun animals. Yeah. Um, be respectful of the yaks. They're powerful. Oh, yeah. And these are like baby yaks. <laughs> yeah. like they're not as big as they're going to be. Yeah. Like they broke down the fence the other day. And my dad had to go get on his dirt bike and herd him back in. And it was an electric fence, too. Broke through an electric fence. And your dad's so cool. He's like a cowboy. He is a cowboy. You know, like back in the day when, when the cowboys would drive the cattle mm-hmm. and they would, you know, camp for a night. Yeah. And they'd always have to, like, hop on their horses and wrangle up the uh, the stragglers or the uh, the ones that have just wandered off during the night. Yeah. I was like, that's just like your dad. He just hopped on his bike and... I have actually had this conversation with my dad of like, yes. I think you missed your calling. I think you should have been a cowboy. Because his pain tolerance is like off the charts. Like he's like broken bones and been like, do I have to go into the hospital? Oh. It's like, dad, yes, you do. Like you have to take care of your body. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he did miss his calling. He has pulled over like on road trips and just slept on the side of the road on his dirt bike. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you just have to make sure there's no scorpions. I'm like, dad. Oh my God. Crazy pants. Scorpions. He's like hardcore. But he's like the nicest man you'll ever meet. Yeah. My friend described him as a stick of nice because he's really tall and skinny. <laughs> he's like, your dad's a stick of nice. That's so cool. Oh, like, he is. He's also really hardcore. 